0: Good day, I'm Martin Webb, and welcome to the Climate Report, broadcasting every second and fourth Thursday on KVMR-FM at 6.30 p.m. On today's show, we start with taking action via your utility rate plan, as well as fellowship jobs with the Climate Action Corps. We talk about hot oceans, hot air, and then we talk about the impact that this is having on crops, plants, and even your allergies. Today's Climate Report is going to start off with ways to take personal action. For example, with utility rate plans, tends to be an overlooked way for people to make a difference with their power use. For those who are in PG&E's electricity provider territory, May 1st marks the start of the smart rate plan season. The smart rate plan is one that runs from May 1st through October 31st and it allows customers who get electricity from PG&E to get a one-cent kilowatt-hour credit throughout those months. In exchange, up to 15 special days might be called due to heat waves for a power smart rate day. Those days from 4 to 9 p.m., the price of power will be a lot more expensive than normal. However, when adding up the total possible amount of extra high charges under this smart rate plan, it comes to 75 hours at most because PG&E again is limited to calling no more than 15 of these special smart rate power days. And on those days, the special price hikes are only during the five hours from four to 9 p.m., which is PGE's peak demand time during the sunset and shortly after, when over 12 billion watts of solar systems are shutting down due to sunset. Now, with the smart rate program running from May to October, while pg e customers might be at risk of up to 75 hours of much higher charges, it's actually a 60-cent kilowatt-hour premium paid on top of your normal rates during those possible 75 hours. From May to October, if you add it up, that's actually more than 4,000 hours during those months of May to October. So almost one cent a kilowatt hour discount over more than 4,000 hours during the spring, summer, and fall. And in exchange, there might be up to 75 hours of price premiums. So for many homeowners, this actually helps them save money while also encouraging them to use less power from 4 to 9 p.m. When demand is highest, and power tends to be dirtiest. Now, there are also 100% renewable energy rate plans for many electric utilities. PG&E is no different, except their 100% solar rate plan has a waiting list because they can't keep up with demand. However, it should be noted for those listeners who are living within the city limits of Nevada City or Grass Valley, starting January 1st, 2024, you will be defaulted to taking power from Pioneer Community Energy based in Placer County. And Pioneer Community Energy does offer a 100% renewable energy rate plan that is cheaper than regular PG&E rates. We'll have more on Pioneer Community Energy and Community Choice aggregators like them on future shows. Other ways to make a difference for those who are looking for work in climate activities or industries, perhaps even youth or students coming out of college, there are a lot of different work programs, including Civic Spark, who has now announced that they are working with the Nevada County government in order to assign someone to help the county achieve their climate resilience goals. In February, the Nevada County Board of Supervisors adopted climate resilience as a priority objective to safeguard Nevada County's economic durability, its environmental integrity, and public health and safety. The plan is for the county to begin preparing for, adapting to, and helping mitigate changing climate conditions in a way that reflects our rural quality of life. And in an effort to elevate the county's work towards climate resilience, It was just announced that Nevada County has been approved and is actively recruiting for a Civic Spark Fellow to work full-time on the county's climate resilience objective. This would start in September 2023 for an approximate year-long fellowship. Fellows with Civic Spark help localities like Nevada County implement local projects on topics, including sustainable transportation, energy efficiency, climate action, planning, water conservation, drought response, and environmental justice. Fellows gain exceptional career experience and training to become future leaders in response to emerging environmental and social equity challenges, according to a press release by the county. You can learn more about Civic Spark by visiting civicspark.civicwell.org. And for any websites read on today's show, feel free to just remember one email, and you can email me and I'll be happy to send you any website links. That email is climatereport at kvmr.org. Approved fellows are eligible for a number of benefits, including living allowances, health benefits, and others. There are deadlines to apply to be Nevada County's Civic Spark Fellow for Climate Resilience, the early deadline is may 12th the regular deadline june 9th and what they call the late deadline july 14th for more information on nevada county's climate resilience objectives you can visit nevadacountyca.gov slash climate while moving beyond the borders of nevada county there's also the california climate action corps who also have summer fellowships as well as year-long fellowships, and they are now actively recruiting for those positions as well. According to an email from California Climate Action Corps, they say, are you looking for an opportunity to take climate action, build new skills, and receive financial and professional development benefits along the way? Look no further than the California Climate Action Corps, who are now accepting applications for two upcoming fellowship terms. You can join a cohort of 80 fellows for just this summer of 2023, or join a cohort of 265 fellows across the state for the full term of 2023-2024. Interested folks can check out available positions at their website and apply today. They say that slots are filling fast And it's just recommended that you Google California Climate Action Corps and you'll be able to find their website as well as locate where these fellowships might be. So again, there's one local one. There is Nevada County's Civic Spark Fellow. There is an upcoming deadline to apply for that. And then there's the statewide California Climate Action Corps. So whether it's changing your utility rates to make a difference or whether it's exploring these fellowships to make a difference this is valuable info that we thought KVMR listeners might be interested in now on to some of the latest and most interesting news for our listeners we're going to start in the water and in the oceans and then lead ourselves out onto land as we describe the impact of increasingly warming water in the world's oceans a lot of focus for us as humans, of course, is on land and air temperatures, because that's what we tend to experience. And there are a lot of heat waves and they are continuing to be more and more extreme. And we'll actually have a little bit about what's going on around the world regarding extreme heat as we flip seasons into the spring and summer in the Northern hemisphere. But there is a lot of information coming out about the oceans that's important for us to understand how this impacts us. First of all, It's been noted that we now have reached record ocean temperatures, which is putting the earth in uncharted territory, say scientists. This is out of the Guardian. They report that temperatures in the world's oceans have broken fresh records, testing new highs for more than a month long in an unprecedented run that has led to scientists stating that the earth has reached uncharted territory in the climate crisis. This rapid acceleration of ocean temperatures just in the last month is an anomaly that scientists have yet to explain. Data collected by the U.S. National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration also known as NOAA is gathered by satellites and buoys at the ocean surface and has shown temperatures higher than in any previous year and it's been going continuously over the past 42 days. Now this comes after a three year long La Nina period that actually helped offset record surface and air temperatures over the last three years. Listeners may recall the record breaking heat waves all over the world, including the heat dome that parked itself over Seattle and the Pacific Northwest, sending temperatures up to 120 degrees, Well, apparently all of these records in the last three years would have been much worse, except La Nina has been in effect. The world is now thought to be on the brink of an El Nino weather event this year. It's a cyclical weather system in the Pacific that has a warming impact globally. But the El Nino system expected this year is yet to develop. So this sudden ocean heating breaking records in the last month cannot explain what's happening at this time of the year when ocean temperatures are normally declining from their March and April peaks. Instead, it's increasing. Professor Mike Meredith of the British Antarctic Survey said, this has got scientists scratching their heads. The fact that it is warming as much as it has been is a real surprise and very concerning. It could be a short-lived extreme high, or it could be the start of something much more serious. Warming oceans are a concern for many reasons. Seawater, as you might expect, like most materials on the planet, when they get hotter, they expand. So seawater just simply takes up more space at higher temperatures. That's without any melting of ice and glaciers contributing to sea level rise. Just hotter oceans will make them expand, taking up more space. And this will accelerate sea level rise. Also, of course, warmer water at the poles, the North and South Pole, is accelerating the melting of the ice caps. Hotter temperatures can also be dire for marine ecosystems as it can be difficult or impossible for species to adapt. Corals in particular can suffer devastating bleaching. While some scientists fear that the rapid warming that we're seeing of the ocean the last month could be a sign of the climate crisis progressing at a faster rate than predicted. The oceans normally act as a kind of global buffer to the climate crisis over recent decades by both absorbing vast amounts of carbon dioxide that we continue to pour into the atmosphere and by also storing about 90% of the excess energy and heat this has created, dampening some of the effects of global heating on the land. So again, science shows that the oceans are absorbing two things, carbon dioxide as well as heat. And that's helping offset what we're experiencing here on land. Some scientists fear we could be reaching the limit, however, of the ocean's capacity to absorb these excesses. According to Professor Matthew England, a climate scientist at the University of New South Wales, the current trajectory looks like it's headed off the charts, smashing previous records. In other news about the ocean temperatures, however, it's not just in general that they are all getting warmer all around the globe, wherever the water is, but that we're seeing different stratification issues and impacts on marine life. If you're a regular listener to the Climate Report, you might recall that last year we read a report about how the hot temperatures at the equator, where naturally the temperature of water is hotter versus at the poles, that overall temperatures are becoming so hot that the species that are adapted to live in Earth's hottest water around the equator are no longer able to live there. They're noticing that species are fleeing the equator and heading towards the north and south poles because it is simply too hot in the water, around the equator, and they can't adapt fast enough. So marine life is starting to ghost the tropical uh, regions around the planet. But then another thing is happening. At the poles, the North and South Pole, that's where we have the creatures that are most adapted to the coldest temperatures. And as the poles continue to heat up at a higher pace than the rest of the planet, Those creatures that need colder areas have no place to go. So what we're seeing is it's sort of like a musical chairs from the equator to the poles. The fish are leaving the equator and they are then able to find places that are going to be in their range. But the coldest of the cold creatures, they will have no place to go. Well, this new article and this new research looks at that in a different way, as opposed to heading from the equator to the poles, they're talking about the impacts going from the surface down to the bottom, and how there's a section of the ocean that's little studied and understood called the Twilight Zone. And that's where you get down so far that light is having trouble penetrating. Normally, that part of the ocean has been nice and frigid and cold, as you might imagine, because it's so dark and it's so far from the surface. However, new research shows that as the ocean temperatures increase, that heat on the surface is penetrating farther and farther below, also damaging our marine ecosystems. So marine ecosystems all around are feeling the havoc being raked on them as a result of these higher temperatures. From latitudes, uh, mid-latitudes up to the poles, we're seeing the fish and creatures move, and then from the surface down to the bottom. This latest research says that life in the ocean's twilight zone is expected to face dramatic declines and perhaps even extinction as seas warm and less food reaches the dimly lit waters. The twilight zone itself is described as lying between 600 feet and 3,000 feet below the surface and is home to a variety of organisms and animals, most of them specially adapted fish with huge eyes and glowing bioluminescent skin. Twilight zone animals feed on billions of tons of organic matter that floats down and drifts down from the surface, such as dead phytoplankton and fish poop. The drifting particles are known as marine snow. Warmer waters, though, are in effect reducing the quantity of food that is sinking down to the twilight zone, meaning up to 40% of life in the twilight waters could be gone by the end of the century, according to the study, which was just published in Nature. And while this change could take place over decades, the study says that recovery from it could take thousands of years. An interesting quote here says from the study's lead author, the rich variety of twilight zone life evolved in the last few million years when ocean waters had cooled enough to act rather like a fridge. This helps preserve the food that floats down for longer and improves conditions, allowing life to thrive. When I read that, I thought it was fascinating to indeed think of these deeper ocean realms as a refrigerator. It is so cold that it can keep and preserve all of this food that's floating down. But what they're saying is not only is there less food floating down, but it's like we're leaving the fridge door open as it continues to get warmer and warmer. So what does fall down will spoil faster. These types of studies are fascinating and allow us to picture what is happening around the planet with global warming and how the web of life is being affected. Although poorly understood, according to the UN, the twilight zone in the ocean contains possibly the world's largest and least exploited fish stock. So let's move to these impacts then on land. If we're seeing the oceans being warmer than ever recorded before and they're responsible for storing most of the excess heat, What is the impact on the land? And of course, we're seeing more and more record heat waves. While local listeners here to the radio station in Northern California are just now experiencing our first warmer weather in the 70s as spring arrives, it should be noted that on many other well-populated parts of the planet, they are experiencing the extreme heat waves that California has over the last few years. For example, in Asia, they're experiencing weeks of what's being called endless record heat with sweltering temperatures causing school closures and surges in energy use. Record April temperatures have been recorded at stations across Thailand, Myanmar, Laos and Vietnam as well as in China and South Asia. For example, just two days ago on Tuesday, four different weather stations in Myanmar hit or matched record monthly temperatures with the highest at almost 110 degrees in April. Now, the hot weather has contributed to record electricity consumption. For example, in Thailand, they consumed 39,000 megawatts on April 6th. That was more than 20% higher than the same day a year ago. And globally, last year ranked as one of the hottest years on record. And the past eight years were collectively the hottest documented by modern science. It is believed that a return of the El Nino weather phenomenon this year will cause temperatures to rise even further. Well, not to be outdone by the Asian heat wave, there is a heat wave hitting North Africa and specifically Spain, as Spain has broken their record temperature for April. It recorded its hottest ever temperature for the month today, hitting 102 degrees, according to the country's meteorological service, as reported in BBC News. The record figure was reached earlier today at the Cordoba airport in southern Spain, and for days now, a blistering heat wave has hit the country, with temperatures 50 degrees warmer than expected for April. Now, we may have gotten numb to hearing about record temperatures over 100 degrees during heat waves, but those have typically been during the summer. We are in April in the Northern Hemisphere, and Spain is normally in the 50s, and they are 50 degrees hotter, breaking a record with 102 degrees today. Now, they sound very similar to California. For example, they say the high temperatures come on top of a long-running drought, Reservoirs in parts of Spain are only at 25% capacity. The combination of heat and drought is raising the prospect of early forest fires in Spain. With the National Weather Service warning that large swathes of the country could be at risk, Spain saw the most land burned of any country in Europe last year in 2022. Last summer was the warmest summer for Europe on record, and Europe is actually warming at twice the global rate. The heat wave in Spain of course is again not an isolated in, uh, event all across the world high temperatures in the first few months of this year have shattered records. As a matter of fact, eight countries in central and eastern European sorry, in eastern Europe set new all-time highs for the warmest January weather on the very first day of the year. And again, another factor expected to influence weather across the world over the coming months is the likely onset of an El Niño event. This will see more heat emerge in the Pacific Ocean off the coast of Peru. And if it happens, then 2024 might emerge as the world's warmest year ever on record with more storms, more fires, and more floods. Said Dr. Fahad Saeed from the research organization Climate Analytics, it seems we are living in a world Of new normal here. And indeed, it does appear to be a new normal as we move from the oceans to the hot air to how this is impacting the plants around us. In an opinion piece published by the um, chief economist of the Environmental Defense Fund, Susie Kerr, she says, Yes, the climate crisis is raising your grocery bills. File this under our news reports, where oftentimes people are talking about the climate and they don't realize they're talking about the climate. This is in relation to inflation and food. She says families around the world are struggling with higher grocery costs and electricity and heating bills. What they may not realize is that rising inflation is increasingly driven by another global crisis, climate change. Last year, the United States incurred over $2 billion in costs due to 20 climate-related extreme weather events from Hurricane Ian to heat waves and drought. Lumber, cotton, tomatoes, wheat, and energy and the products that they generate from denim jeans to your Italian takeout dinner were all affected by these events and are now more expensive than this time last year. Climate-driven extreme weather and disasters are now more frequently responsible for production shortages, supply chain disruptions, and labor issues that lead to higher cost of living. The cost of food is particularly susceptible to climate-related shocks like droughts, floods, or wildfires. For example, the cost of eggs in the U.S. rose by 60% last year. In addition to increased demand and a spike in avian flu, climate-fueled droughts and heat waves made growing chicken feed 30% more expensive. Climate change has also harmed the growth of cotton in Texas, oranges in Florida, and tomatoes in California. Around the world, this affects lower income people the most. They tend to spend a greater share of their income on food. In developing countries, communities will feel the effects of climate change on their wallets and livelihoods even more severely than us in the US. The price of food has soared over 24% in Nigeria and 63% in Egypt in the last year. Aside from challenges to food production, Climate change is disrupting labor and transportation in the global supply chain. Heat waves, wildfires, power and internet outages have already affected workers in warehouses, on the road, and in home offices. And while worker health and safety should always be top priority, the climate crisis is creating labor disruptions and shortages that can drive up prices. According to one report by the International Labor Organization, Heat waves are projected to reduce working hours worldwide by over 2% by 2030. And while that might sound like a small number, worldwide, that's equivalent to losing 80 million full time jobs and $2.4 trillion globally. She concludes by saying the good news is that we're not powerless against economic chaos driven by climate change. We can reduce climate impacts through smart adaptation and innovation, and we can stop the emissions that cause climate change in the first place. We can design market-driven policies that reduce climate-changing pollution, strengthen our economy, stabilize our climate, and help consumers save money. That's the opinion of Susie Kerr, the chief economist of the Environmental Defense Fund. Well, closing with another piece on the theme of the impacts on plants with climate change happening, adults are getting allergies for the first time. Thanks, climate change, says a headline NBC News. It says, for several years now, we're living in a world where every sneeze, every hint of a scratchy throat or stuffy nose gives a person pause. Is it COVID? Just a cold? For a growing number of adults in their 30s, 40s, and 50s, these symptoms are turning out to be hallmarks of something they've never had to deal with before seasonal allergies. Dr. Michelle Pham, an allergist and immunologist at UC San Francisco Health, has noticed the trend. She said, we've had patients coming to us saying this hasn't been an issue in the past. Now they're getting symptoms or their allergy symptoms have significantly worsened. A large driver of adult-onset seasonal allergies appears to be climate change, According to Dr. Nilu Tumala, an ear nose and throat specialist and co-director of the Climate Health Institute at George Washington University, the pollen season right now is about three weeks longer than it was 30 years ago, and there's about 20% more pollen in the air. Those statistics come from research published in 2021. As the Earth's core temperature increases, they explain the ground thaws earlier in the year, rousing trees from their winter slumber, prompting them to flower and produce pollen earlier than ever. And the combustion of fossil fuels another cause of global warming increases carbon dioxide. And as those levels go up, plants and trees produce more pollen. So it's not just that the season is lasting longer, the sheer amount of pollen in the air has exploded. Dr. Stanley Feynman, an allergist at Atlanta Allergy and Asthma and a spokesperson for the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology, He calls the phenomenon a pollen storm. He said the pollen counts, particularly this season, have been much, much higher than they've been in the past. Symptoms are starting earlier and are more severe. Many people are likely genetically predisposed to allergies, but were never bothered by them before, experts say. But now that the pollen counts have grown, Feynman said, I think it affects them more because their system is finally overloaded. Well, what are symptoms of seasonal allergies, such as, you know, congestion and coughing? Those can overlap with respiratory viruses. So one symptom is a telltale sign of allergic reaction. That's itching. The biggest symptom difference between COVID and colds is itchiness of the eyes, nose, and throat. Symptoms aren't always clear, however, and can overlap with other respiratory illnesses. Pham said, we've definitely had patients come to our clinic who thought they were having allergies, but they had COVID instead. That's all for today's Climate Report. I'm Martin Webb.